Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Winning F1 podcast. This is the sort of intra race podcast where we've had a Grand Prix and then we've got a week off and then we've got another Grand Prix, but we're doing a podcast in between. It's sort of a preview for Brazil, but it's also it is a preview for Brazil. All right. Blimey. <laughs> I've got the, the wrong side of bed this morning, didn't they? Well, I did get up on the right hand side, normally I get up on the left hand side to be fair. Well then you actually did get up the wrong side of bed. There we go. A lovely insight into <laughs> Nigel's life. He's the voice you can hear. Um we don't need to ask Nigel how he is. He's obviously in a bad mood. But Adam, how are you? I'm great. I've actually put Nigel in a bad mood by sending a piece to him on time. So that's that's on me. Really. Oh no, I heard um, I heard about this and actually it was su- quite su- success angers Nigel, so that's why I'm to blame for this. But uh yeah, other than that, I'm uh, good. Got my first assignment of the year. Like submitted today, so I'm on a roll. Great, well brilliant! Done. Congratulations on university stuff. That's fun. Yeah. Um, Ronnie Sullivan said that he's been on, been on a roll for 30 years when he won another title on Sunday. Yeah, and he didn't seem to care, which is a bit disappointing because he's too good. That's too. Good. I know, I know. The greatest think... British sports person ever. And you'd think if he were the greatest British sports person ever, he would he would actually try and you know enjoy things, but he just seems to be like I don't care and I don't want anyone else to care. And, you know, part of, you know, being the greatest British sports person ever is not being a nihilist. And he seems to be unable to employ that. I'd I'd say a key part of being the greatest British sportsman ever is playing a sport as well, um, which I don't... It is a sport. Snook is a sport. Be quiet. So, (laughs) when I win the tic-tac-toe championships and you guys start saying that's not a sport, I'm going to be livid. More of a sport than snooker. No, it's not. No, it's not. (laughs) <laughs> to be fair you don't have to like bench press for a cue but anyway um, no. but also I, I agree with Nigel it is a sport they, they show it on BBC Sport that's what I said yeah and that's so a good they show um, like arm wrestling on ESPN it's kind of that's quite blatantly a sport it's arm wrestling. Yeah, Adam. Not, yeah. not, not so talkative now, are you? I've had air with guitar your, on with, like with your glasses. sports channels. Yeah, but there's a sport have shown the air, air guitar world championships. That's fair enough. I mean, that's all about precision of where you position your fingers, isn't it? In the air. And how I how mean, there are a lot go, of things about, about precision that aren't, <laughs> aren't sports. That's kind of not the definitive thing. But anyway, we're getting sidetracked. Do you know what else they show on Premier Sports? NASCAR in the UK. Um, also no no show... one watches it. Everyone watches it on a stream, but I shouldn't say that. Sorry, guys, I outed you all. But anyway. They, they also don't show what they say they're showing about 80% of the time. They'll say, it'll be advertised as like Swedish Speedway Second Division, and then it'll just be like, I don't know, NASCAR or axe throwing or something like that. Better than Swedish Second Division. I mean... Ah, Speedway's great. That is a sport, actually. You can watch it live and exclusive on Eurosport. Hmm. Oh, You're yeah, actually, we shouldn't talk about streaming things because we've got Mr. I work for a TV channel over here. Um, fair enough. Anyway, let's let's go and talk about television show uh, sports that Eurosport <laughs> don't have the rights for. Formula One, um, because it's the Winging It F1 podcast, not the Winging It podcast. Um, although the Winging It <laughs> section has been fulfilled pretty exclusively and equivocally there. For the last two and a half, all oh, right. Yeah, I've said last two and a half years, but never mind. And for the last two and a half years, to be fair. Um, but do you know who hasn't been on the F1 grid for the last two and a half years? Nico Hulkenberg. 
and he could be coming back um, if he's announced by Haas this weekend because all the roads lead to Hulk. Aston Martin have signed Stoffel Van Dorn as their reserve driver, uh, a role Nico Hulkenberg did was in until next year. And why has he been released? I hear you clamor and ask with your loud voices. Probably why? because he's got a Haas F1 seat for some reason. Great. Um, I'll come to Adam first because Nigel's just going to say something like, why is Nico Hockenberg getting a seat? Oh, for goodness sake. Why? I hate everyone. So, Adam, um, why is Nico Hockenberg getting a seat? And do you love everyone? Yes, uh, to both. No, I think... Yes to why? I think it's... I think it's partly, I mean, being honest, it's partly a lack of options. He was up against Giovinazzi, who, you know, it didn't really deserve to be in the conversation. Ricardo, who's counted himself out of it, and Drugovic, who just doesn't have the kind of momentum around him. So once all of the kind of other pieces came off the board and everything's moved around, then he was kind of the one, the last man standing, I guess. So, yeah, he, um, also his record, you know, he's got a very good record across the, 2010's decade, he finished in the points for 50% of his races. He scored multiple top five um, finishes in most of his seasons. And yes, he didn't get a podium, but he came close on a fair few occasions. And he, since leaving the sport, I think he's only enhanced his reputation, to be honest, because whenever he's had to come and stand in, then he's done a fantastic job. He outperformed Lance Stroll on his second day in a 2022 spec car. He qualified third It. um at Silverstone in 2020, having had a weekend to actually get to grips with the car. So every time he's been called upon since he has left, then he's done the job that needed doing. He's a you know, consistent driver, proven driver. And you know I think he can help get the best out of Hassan with Kevin Magnussen. I think that's a solid lineup in the midfield. Completely disagree. Mick Schumacher should keep a seat. He's much improved over the, over the second half of the season. Some of Adam's points in... He's got top 10 finishes. Well, that's his job. He's got a car that's good enough to, to finish in the points. And yeah, he did it. But he didn't exactly set the world alight. And if you think about drivers who've returned in F1, apart from Fernando Alonso, who's probably one of the greatest talents this century, no driver has returned and got anywhere near to their peak. Look at Raikkonen. Look at Schumacher. Michael Schumacher. Kimmy was great at Lotus. What, did you think he was as good as he was at McLaren 2005 or, or for around 2007? No chance. Kimmy was no, great at Lotus. He was nowhere near his peak. And, and Ryan and, and yeah, but that does make a good point, though. He was very good. Even if you're but, not at your peak, you can no, still be a very good driver. But, but the point is, Raikkonen and Schumacher, with all due respect to Hulkenberg, are much better than Hulkenberg. So if you if you take off a bit off Hulkenberg, he's going to be you know top bottom half driver. And that's not good enough for Haas. But why are you taking a bit off Hulkenberg? Because, yeah, he has had a bit of time on the sideline. Three years out. Three years out of sport. But I think that's the point that Adam tried to make with his immediate point, was that even with that time out, he performed very well. You look at his Saudi Arabia drive this year, it was actually very, very accomplished. And if you look at where the Aston Martin was at races following that this in the first half of the year, it wasn't a good car. So... I just two really two years out of the sport, and he came back in Bahrain and Saudi Arabia and performed excellently. Right, but why won't you take an informed Mick Schumacher? Yeah, no, I think that's, that's that is a very why, good point. Why not? But I don't well, what, think what Schumacher done wrong to not keep a seat. Well, well one sec, well, but this is the we'll thing. Right? A lot. He when, hasn't when crashed a lot recently. Crashed? When was the last time he crashed? 
Right, yeah. there we go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't, Monaco, Monaco's got a good point there. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's had three, two, three heavy crashes this year. He's had two. more good performances than bad. And and it is a good point. Like, if, 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 I mean, the Nico Hulkberg conversation does need to be had because he looks like he's the favourite. But the conversation should really only be had if Mick Schumacher isn't an option. And realistically, Mick Schumacher is being written off unfairly. And I think I agree with you on that, Nigel. But I think also think you're writing off Nico Hulkenberg unfairly anyway, just out of the conversation, um, in my opinion. Um, well, he's a very good driver, of course. But if I'm choosing between Schumacher and Hulkenberg, which is mm-hmm. what it is, because Gunter Stardust has said it's a 50-50 yeah. decision now, you got to choose Schumacher. He's a lot younger. He's going to only get better. And compared to a Hulkenberg who's aging, quite frankly, and we've seen with returning drivers in F1 throughout the sports history of 71, 72 years, it generally doesn't go well unless you are one of the absolute greats. I could we have seen drivers across. start late and do well. I mean, granted, it's, it's, it's more rare, but like Damon Hill, how old was he when he won his championship with Williams? Probably the same age Nico Hulkenberg is now. And he was performing, he was getting better throughout that period. So yeah. could you say realistically then, I mean, Damon Hill isn't exactly the most world's highest rated champion. And would you say you could make a case then for drivers that even traditionally can get better in their late 30s? No, uh, I don't think he'll be. I can't, I don't, I really, how I don't see Hulkenberg being better than he was. Yeah, maybe better is the wrong best, way of putting it, but uh, but be... why does he have, why is, I, I, I do genuinely think, um, Nuga Hulkenberg's not quite best is still pretty much F1 level, so. But is it better than Schumacher, would you say? Well, we don't know, I mean, it's the kind of thing that you can't really gauge on that front, but, um, I think it's probably a lot more polished and a lot more refined. And for a, a team like Haas, who very obviously wants polished, refined and reliable. And I think they did lose a little bit of faith with Mick Schumacher in that regard. And you can at least rely on Igor Hogenberg to provide that. I just think if you're going to bring a returning driver back, it's got to be a great super driver like mm-hmm. Alonso, not someone who's in the midfield at Hulkenberg or like Perez Bottas level, because that's what Hulkenberg probably was. He was at that kind of level. Mm-hmm. I just don't think bringing that kind of drivers back. And, and also, we all agreed that Yuki Sonoda deserved a third season. We all had yeah. no complaints about that. So why can't Mick Schumacher get a third season? What's yeah, we don't disagree with that. I, don't. I think there's the I think the main difference is the kind of drivers that are available to replace him. Alpha Tower were never going to bring in a Nico Hulkenberg, the young drivers they had. I mean, they brought in Gasly. So, whereas... The reason, the reason AlphaTauri are bringing in Nick de Vries is because they're keeping Sonoda and has already have Magnussen nailed down to a contract so they can afford to look around and have that kind of instability of a different driver. So that's kind of that question only anyway. The reason, I mean, you look at the timeline of announcements for AlphaTauri, they, they tried to nail down Gasly very early, but they were not very interested in nailing down Sonoda until they were very clear that um, they were definitely having to get a new driver for next year. Um, so if you look at it from that perspective, from an F1 team, even like we can say about Sonoda, but they're not necessarily as convinced as they probably should be signing him down. So, I mean, if you think about it from Haas, a team who can't afford to take a risk in a way that AlphaTauri can, and you could then ex- extrapolate from that perspective that not necessarily 
much. It's a difficult one because a risk could be. Surely, a risk is bringing Hulkenberg back. Exactly, it's a risk to either bring Hulkenberg back, but it's and I think they're seeing it as the same risk to keep Mick Schumacher. So I think there's just a general belief that someone who's a bit more proven, even if the risk level is pretty similar, is is where they're leaning. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. I just for me, I always believe in the younger drivers, especially if they've earned their chance, which Schumacher mm-hmm. Morden has mm-hmm. over the last 10 races or so, matched yeah. or arguably be, arguably been better than uh, Magnussen. For him to lose his seat for that, I, I, I don't agree with that at all. I yeah, think with a with full kind of pre-season and preparation for next season, I think Hulkenberg will be great. I think when he comes back in, he will kind of surprise a lot of people and for a lot of people, you know, I think there's high expectations for him, but I think when he has that preparation behind him, I think he will be even better than he's shown in the last three years. And I also kind of think you have to kind of commend him for getting himself back in the conversation for this seat. Um, yeah. Like, I mean, hats off to that. I, I do agree with you, Nigel. I feel like I have to placate you at the moment. I do agree <laughs> that probably Mick should stay in that seat. Don't worry. Don't go off on one. Um, but just to commend Nico, I do genuinely, I, to be honest, I think they both will perform pretty much the same whoever they go for out of Hogenberg and Schumacher, I think it will be pretty similar performance levels based on what Mick is now. Um, if you asked me a few months ago, I probably would have thought Hogenberg would have done better, but Mick has shown a very good level of progression through this season. Um, Do it only get better? He might not. And that's the kind of thing. He might not get better. We don't know that. I um, think going off his junior careers, we know that he likely will. because He, he, he wants to get used to the car, to the team. Mm-hmm. Generally improves quite a bit. So, going off that. Well, you could be right. Yeah, yeah I mean, um, what, we do have a different car. In races? F1, you're more likely to have a different car every year than you are when you go from F3 Europe to, up to the same spec F3 Europe car and F2 from the same spec F2 car um, in the same Prima team. It's it's an easier car to then get used to over a two-year period, whereas, yeah, there will be foibles that are similar between the, the 22 Haas and the 23 Haas, but it is fundamentally a new car. So it is a harder thing to gauge in that front with Schumacher in Formula One. That's one of the things I'm wary of him about um, because, and it was everyone's wariness when he started in Formula One and the new regs did step him back a year on that as well. And while he has improved throughout the season, you know, you could say that you don't want to have that step back at the start of every year. And if that's the pattern, then that's, you could say it's, it could be good for improving, but it's also a bit worrying for a pattern. Yeah, but at the moment, it's only a pattern of one. Yeah, in Formula oh, 1. In, in F1, yeah. But yeah. in F2 and F3, it's a pattern of three. Yeah. So That's not F1. No, it's not. It's an easier <laughs> thing to keep going with, yeah. is my point, because you're in the same spec car rather than a different spec. So it's, it's less of a challenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. I can't argue so, that. That is a misgiving. Um, which you know, to be fair, as a driver matures, he's more likely to overcome that. Um, but not when he matures to the age of Nico Hulkenberg. I don't think this is the last we'll see of Schumacher in F1. If he does lose the seat, then I don't think it's the last we'll see of Schumacher in F1. No, I, I, I agree. Yeah, I, if I, if he loses, I agree with that. Yeah, we can all agree on that. Yeah, although I don't really know what he does if he doesn't, at least for immediate plans for next year, if he doesn't end up... Well, if, if Nico Hulkenberg can come back after two years or three years, then 
Uh, sorry, it is two years, isn't it? Then uh, Mick Schumacher can as well. It's, it's three years. Um, three years. Is Ferrari coming back into work? Yeah, they are. They've got a hard cup program, but they've also dropped Mick Schumacher as a Ferrari driver. Yeah. So unless they hold out an olive branch and give him a hypercar seat with Giovinazzi and co, then maybe, but they have a whole load of GTE drivers they are very, very openly wanting to promote to that those seats, like uh, Collado and the like. So it's it's not a you can't just assume if you're these kind of that you'll get a good WEC seat, particularly at the front. Um I can so see it if he is kind of out of that. I can see him having the sidelines year completely next year, which would be hmm. difficult for him. I think if if he does kind of get out of the F1 conversation completely, I can see that being kind of a longer term thing for him, though. And, you know, kind of having success with Ferrari in that way um, than in F1, but still, you know. I'd hope so. Way. I'd hope so. Well, hopefully he's back in, you know. Hopefully, hopefully he does get another chance, but we shall see. Yeah, I think the heart and the, the head for me, say Mick Schumacher. Um, Same here. I, think for I, what's I, I, I don't really have a heart, but my head does. <laughs> yeah. What Hass are looking for, then I think Hulkenberg fits the bill. I think you also got to fit. The way Hass have, let's say, treated or gone about it with Schumacher, with the comments, I don't know if they're trying to, trying to test out his character or personality by <laughs> criticising him stronger than like the average team does to their driver. But I would really like to see Schumacher in a different team because, to me, the house team is not yeah. stable, let's say, or the best environment for a new driver, especially. And that is another reason why I think Schumacher coming back the way he has with his form, with that kind of environment, that makes it even more impressive for me. I think there's there's um a particular misgiving from Hass's side, which is the sort of, not, the, not necessarily asked for by Mick, but the sort of, Mick people in F1, if that makes sense. You, you've got a lot of, particularly from the German side, um, are very sort of pro-Mick and very anti-Hass and are very openly about that. And and Hass have used Schumacher to get some German sponsorship and things like that and are very, very unhappy with this this characterization because it's just it, it's messing up sponsorship deals with them and so on. So there's a lot of baggage from Hass's side with Schumacher and they feel like Hulkenberg will dispense with that because he's just hugely popular anyway yeah, across the yeah. board and um, as much as you can rely on the Schumacher name they, that actually has brought m- more bad than good to Haas um, and also I, I, I disagree with them testing him I I think there's, a, there's an element of sometimes you get to a level of exasperation that everything you've tried internally has been exhausted you have to try something external um, but I also think yeah. there is an element of style and it does go a little bit far when he gets to the external stage. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, I think it's an element of both, but I don't think it's a calculated experiment to the driver. Um, yeah. Because that, I think if it is, Haas shouldn't be, Steiner shouldn't be doing that because he saw what he did to Grosjean with that because that just didn't get Grosjean to score points when he was very critical of him. So it's not the right course of action. So anyway... Um, I think we have can draw a line under the Haas seat. Um, people keep saying there'll be news at points. There might not be. Who knows? Um, I think we should move on to another another uh, F1 silly season box, which hasn't been ticked, but it has been ticked, in that 
Logan Sargent has been announced as the intention for Williams for 2023, depending on his super license points that um, from Formula 2. So if he finishes above fifth, is it, in Formula 2, he'll be able to have enough super points, super license points if you add it to his F3. It depends um, on his practice sessions, because like, yeah. in Mexico, he was three kilometres short of getting an extra point because he needs to do 100 kilometres without doing anything stupid or getting a penalty. And he mm-hmm. did 97, so he didn't get a point there. And then he's obviously doing Abu Dhabi as well. So it depends yeah. if he gets a point there. But it's either fifth or sixth, I think. Okay. Um, and he's fourth. It's not that far. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah. yeah, I think he's third. Is he third, third. Yes, you're right. Yeah. He's third. But it is a very close knit gaggle yeah. from third to about seventh or eighth in the F2 standings. Everyone forgets about F2 for a few months of this this kind well, of Well, that's what happens when you make a stupid camp. Sorry. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, you're right. They should have done what they used to do, which is have around supporting WEC or around supporting DTM finales and stuff like that, like they used to have in sort of 2017. Um, but anyway, um, that aside, um, Logan Sargent, happy? Impressed? Yeah. De-impressed? Oh, yay, Nigel's not de-impressed. <laughs> I'm never de-impressed. What impressed you are, though. you were de-impressed at the start of this podcast. <laughs> uh, no, I think he is a great talent. I think in F3 in 2020, he's yes. quicker than Porsche. Uh, not Porsche, sorry. So Porsche, Porsche is he is quicker Piastri. than Piastri. He's, Piastri. He's in your head. Sorry, Piastri. He won the championship, of course, Piastri did his rookie yes. season. Uh, Sergeant was in the second season, yes, but he was better on raw pace than Piastri. And if look at how everyone talks about Piastri. Some people think he's a future world champion. It could be amazing and be all that. So depending on what you think of Piastri, I think Sergeant could be just as good. Because uh, also his uh, season with Tarouz. I mean, Tarouz that's one of the worst, like, of all due respect, of course, but compared to the likes of Prema and Carlin, it's one of the worst. They don't deserve uh, to be in the same breath in F3 as Prema and Carlin. And yeah, I, it, I, I can say that with all due respect, and it'd still be a, um, a relatively kind thing to say. It's one of the worst teams, yet he still finished seventh in the championship. So it's I think all that. So I think all of that, plus a pretty good F2 season, I don't think he's set the world alight at all, but. He's F3 alone. He hasn't, he hasn't dampened the flames. No. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, but yeah, I think everything I've said, he definitely deserves to be on the grid. And he could be just as good as Piastri, I think. I think I agree. I, I, I don't know why. I just kind of thought that someone else would come in and get the seat. But I do agree that it is, probably, it is the best option they can go for. It's promoting a driver from... Within he's yeah he's shown that he's got the speed and I think he has shown through his junior career not just this year that he can make that step up. I think it's just a bit of a concern about the super license points. I mean he's 12, 12 points ahead of seventh. He's only twenty five points ahead of tenth. So there could be a lot of change in the Formula Two rankings with Rom race to go. So I think it's just that is the concern. I think it is the right time for him to. Well, you know, I think he could have he could have stayed, but I don't think he will. You know, he's unready for F1 um, as is. And you know, having a young driver at Williams, we saw the last young driver at Williams do pretty well. Um, having an American on the grid will be fun. But uh, yeah, I think he hasn't done that well. Yeah, good point about him. But you know, he's forgettable. Yeah, we know. Last... Russell has done very well. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the the last. So I guess Sirotkin. Lance Stroll still on the grid. The the last 
a young driver with E in their surname at Williams did very well. Um, so, yeah, I think I think it's a it's a great move. It just feels like a feel good move, providing he actually gets there. That's the only concern. Yeah, I think it is providing he gets there. I've said before on this podcast, even before Sergeant was in the picture for um, Formula One this year, I've said before that how much I rate him. Um, I I've similar to Nigel have backed him since 2020, and uh, I, I'm really ha- really happy to see this you know this kind of solid progression and solid chance and faith from williams and it it's sort of testament to the way they treat their drivers in a way um and i think he will do i think he 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 has potential to do pretty well um it's a really hard one to call because he obviously doesn't have that much f1 seat time but they're giving him as much time as they can obviously he's not in the car in brazil with it being a sprint weekend but um they are trying to give him as much time as they can. And, you know, I, I, I'm intrigued to see how it goes. I think it, it, it it's nice to have just, you know, a couple of rookies on the, on the, on the grid. We've got Piastri and Sargent. And if you, if you look back to, like you say, 2020, the two title uh, contenders for the 2020 F3 championship are going to be making their, their rookie season in F1 at the same time. And I find, I just find that cool. I've got a question. Go. By kind of not announcing it, but stated he will be in the car, uh, he'll be in F1 next year. Does that put a bit too much pressure on him for the Abu Dhabi? Uh, it puts a lot of pressure on him, but it would be internal anyway. Sometimes it's nice it to have maybe not said. Like, I know, but it is nice to have the intention put out for you rather than you could rather than have it always being like a thing like, oh, they nearly gave me the seat. Perhaps mm. you could say it like that um, for a future for a future sort of prospect i mean if it's internal i think you could argue that there's less of a show of faith and you could give confidence um Uh, but it also i think you're right it also just sort of throw the eyes onto him yeah Yeah, i I was kind of gonna i guess echo that um it kind of um avoids any you know, that line of questioning going into the final weekend. So, yes, it puts more pressure on the fact that he's got to get the result, but there's not kind of all these rumours buzzing around that, you know, will he get it? Have Williams promised it? It's still kind of being, you know, maybe an open secret, but still kind of officially secret. So I think it, it avoids that. And, you know, he's he'll, he's he'll have to deal with pressure. If he's as good as we think he is and he can be competing for race wins, then he'll need to deal with pressure and being able to, you know, do that. So I think it's a, a good test for Williams it shows kind of his metal in the biggest stage that you can have before F1 I agree and if he if he does do well so if he wins the feature race uh, or and has a great sprint race yeah. to do that under that pressure that is serious character and personality there so yeah there I, is I, an I, element I, I, I don't know I mean what you guys would think about this does it put a target on his back it doesn't, doesn't does it put a target on, it it's back, on his back in the F2 field do they think, oh, I'm going to put a pop on him, more likely to make a move on him, yeah, more likely to I, crash I, into him then? I think Might does, do, yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Uh, um, oh, imagine if he has an incident now. That would just be so... I mean, it goes back to the super license thing, which we talked about uh, in September, which you should it's, go and watch because we all been... isolated it. But, uh, it's just, he shouldn't... Ah, I think, crucially, yeah. he's made mistakes in this F2 season that you can blame him for. So... Yeah. Realistically, if you're leaving it to the luck of the draw in the final round, you can always say, "Oh no, this person crashed into me, and it wasn't my fault, and they're the reason I don't have an F1 drive." Well, if you don't have the 
position in the first place, then you know you've got to allow for these kind of things. So I think you, so it's you about Abu wreck his mind. One F one, can't you as well? Yes. Um, I mean, also, um, is it three years that you can have three or four years eligibility? I think it's three because I think it changed to three with COVID. I think it was two prior to that. Um, or maybe they only added one extra season for 2021 or whatever. Um, yeah, it might be three out of four. It's but, I mean, the point is... It, it, it's normally three, but then it, oh. they added one to four. I, I don't think it'll think it's two because imagine the position you have to get over two years. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so it, if no it is four years, carton, <laughs> if it is four years, then he'll still have his twenty twenty F three uh, third place and wherever he finishes this season. So even if he doesn't make it, then there's still, you know, it it's not kind of the end of the road for him. It would put pressure on next season having to come back and get another top six ish position. But it's yeah. not it's not kind of it will torpedo his career. It will set him back. Yeah, that's a nice way of putting it. Um, it's, it's really, for both of these topics we've discussed, is put a pin in it and watch this space. Um, but one thing that isn't watch this space, because it's we know when it will happen, I guess, is the Brazilian Grand Prix, the Sao Paulo Grand Prix, the what second ever Sao Paulo Grand Prix. Thing? Sorry? What if there's riots because of the presidency thing and it gets cancelled? Then it will be cancelled. Um, but the scheduled Brazilian Sao Paulo Grand Prix... <laughs> Um, depending on your opinions of Lula or Bolsonaro, um, <laughs> which we won't go into the details of now, but I will say that I'm happy it's Lula and not Bolsonaro. But um, um, 49.2% of Brazil won't be happy. Um, not Nigel's staying very quiet on the subject. Genuinely, yeah, though, not the, said anything. the statistics of 49 it's 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 scarily like Brexit. But anyway... Um, enough Brazilian politics. Let's move on to Brazilian Formula One politics. Um, and, you know, just just for, you know, a bit of fun, what's your favourite Brazilian Grand Prix moment? Even though this is the Sao Paulo Grand Prix and it has only been one, ev- one Sao Paulo Grand Prix, we're going to be nice and include the Brazilian Grand Prix in this preview oh, moment nice. because it's had the same circuit. Um, Nigel, hit, hit me with your favourite Brazilian Grand Prix moment. We're all going to say the same thing. It's got to be the 2008. Is it Glock? This has to be. It has to be. Was it Glock? I think it yes. was. Yes. Oh. Tim O'Glock, technically, but he, he shifted the apostrophe. He got rid of the apostrophe, sorry. That has to be the greatest moment in F1. It's got to be one of the most thrilling, most exciting moments in Formula One. Yeah. It's kind of the ultimate. If, if, you're, if you're like a Hollywood producer scripting a race, movie that is like the absolute kind of Hollywood ending that you would put in so well, and this is what I love about the, this is um what is, a, what, what what really, after. I'd forgotten that but there we go <laughs> um like that that's what I really really love about sport maybe more than anything else is that you can get these moments that if you put them in a book or a movie or a tv show then everyone goes, oh, that's too cliche that's too perfect whatever but these things can happen and to have you know all of the narratives and storylines going into it and then just the actual race itself and have it decided on the last corner of the last lap of the last race of the season is just yeah it, it's incredible unbelievable it was believable because it was clock and it did happen. So, yeah. What made it so much more unbelievable was the fact that Felipe Massa was legitimately world champion and had done a fantastic drive. And 
it's still a very sad but also a fantastic um lap of formula one um and well, in I, that, was, I was a big ferrari fan back then and i actually, I, I was there were, tears, there were tears coming out my eyes when held one <laughs> i would have to say i was i was pretty upset like back when i was what seven or eight well would, would, yeah, it would have been October. So it was 2008. Yeah, I know. I'm trying to figure the month because of... it would have been the end of October. Yeah, so I would. Was that the last time you showed an emotion? There's a there's <laughs> an anger. Uh, no. I okay. think what did I second think? last you showed exasperation. Come on. <laughs> um, I mean, but this is the thing with Brazil. Like, we can look at that and point to it as sort of the the prized moment. But I mean, then you look at you look at Jensen Button coming from 14th to 5th the next year to win. And you look at um, the, the 2012 Grand Prix and you look at... Uh, 2003. 2003 was an insane, ridiculous race that's scary to watch on replays. Yeah. Um, you think about everything that's happened to Rubens Barrichello. You think about yeah. you think about 2021 there. You think And the, the, the racing there and the non-illegal racing there that was the definition of hard racing. Um, that's... Genuinely, I, I was considering saying the 2021 Brazilian Grand Prix for this, but it was just, it's one of those races that really rankles with me because it's such a phenomenal drive. And it's, but then it's kind of like the fact that Verstappen was doing so well to stay in the lead and then just drove to bloody Rio was insane. And I, I just don't like that. But anyway, I mean, um, even um, the time before that, 2019, where you had the, yeah. Ferrari's finally boiling over and crashing. Albon yeah. and Verstappen overtaking Hamilton and Bottas in at the same time in the Senna S's. Uh, Albon overtook Vettel. What? Bottas retired that caused the whole thing. Um, okay. Well, it was nearly right. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, that was a fantastic The Gasly podium well. is the bit that Gasly stands podium, out to me. Yeah. Science podium too for McLaren. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's just the whole... It's just an amphitheatre of... Um, of sport it's the well but you know it's the run up the hill the bank corner all of the fans just on the top of the hill the fact that you can kind of fit it all into one shot just draped over Mm -hmm. the side of this hill in Sao Paulo and yeah it is just absolutely fantastic it's it's an occasion just to watch it I think it's it's very rare I was just gonna say it's very rare work F1 Grand Prix over the last 20 years there's been more genuinely great races than average races and Brazil is one of those events I can't think of many of them maybe still maybe the British Grand Prix as well but there's not many uh, like that uh, it's just it's so good it's one of the highlights of, of the year yeah. it is one of the highlights that is absolutely true will it be a highlight this year yeah so it just delivers well I, I think I should call it the into Lagos Postman. I, I, I was thinking a few weeks ago, uh, I was talking to Adam and I said Hamilton would win. Uh, if, if, if he was going to win a race, it, it would be this weekend, Brazil. I don't know why, I've just got a feeling. Yeah, you said that for every race since the summer break. I've not, I've not. I've not. I don't know for every race except Spa for the summer break. Uh, no, I, I didn't say it for the last two. I've thought, yeah, that's because you were saving it up for Inter Lagos. Yeah, I was saving it up because it's going to happen. It's going to happen for Brazil. All right, you Ferrari fan. Um, <laughs> right, okay, so Nigel thinks Mercedes Hamilton, do you think Mercedes? Hamilton? Do I think what? You, yeah, Adam. fine Hamilton um, 
Oh. Adam, Adam, I mean, I think I said Nigel. Yeah, then, yeah you, ca- you called Adam Hamilton, I think. Did <laughs> I? Oh, yeah, you said Hamilton. Yeah, you did. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, that, you're never getting a better compliment than that, mate. You may as well retire now. Um, all right, well, Adam, then so you have recently going to win. Um, no, I, I, um, I, I don't think it will be Mercedes. I think it will be an exciting race. Maybe Perez. I'll go Perez. A bit rogue, but non rogue. I think Verstappen's going to win, but because someone's got to be boring, and the fact that he's taken the win record for a season this year means that realistically, we probably should say Verstappen's going to win. Um, What's well, going to rain? I think it'll be Hamilton. It, it could rain. Actually, it looks does, like it's going to be rained off. If Verstappen does win, it will be exciting. Like it will be, you know, a kind of fight from the back, or it will, in some way, Brazil will deliver, or they'll be like Vettel will take second. No, but it won't now, will it? It will. Like, I, have, I have so much faith in, in Telagos and Sao Look at the 2019 race. It was boring until like five laps from the end. It was a dreadful race until the end. And then it had a really mem- it became really memorable in yeah. five laps. More, but 2018, 2018 was actually interesting. Yeah, Verst- Verstappen. Verstappen. <laughs> 2017, what happened then? Vettel won from the flag, didn't he? Yeah, um, maybe not too much. 2016 was rainy. 2016 was rainy. Oh, 2015, um, Rosberg just Rosberg walked won. it. 2014, Rosberg walked it and Hamilton spun. 2013, yeah. Vettel walked that it. That was a good race, though, 2014. Yeah, it was interesting until it Hamilton spun. Yeah. See, um, this is what I mean. Like, I just, I have faith that it will be a good race. There will be interesting points just because of the nature. And it's a sprint weekend. And to be honest, they just end up with weird, weird stuff happening anyway. Like, like who, I mean, even if you don't enjoy the sprint, it does normally, for some reason, have the sprints have added weird storylines to Formula One. Um, so there's a chance we will have more weird storylines. Um, Mr. Stappen still won every sprint. No. No, no, no. he didn't win Brazil and he didn't win Monza last year. Yeah, he only won no, one last won. year. Yeah. And two this year. There's only been two this year. Oh, um. And he only did it on the final lap in Imola, and that was a re- that was a cracking race. That mini sp- that sprint in Imola, actually. <laughs> I'll use this time to promote a video slash. Well, you can you can listen to it as well. Uh, on Wednesday, there'll be an upload of an argument me and Adam had for like twenty five minutes about sprints after the Austria race. So if you want to hear a massive heated, well, not heated, it was a bit heated uh, debate about sprints, listen to it on Wednesday. There we go. Um, Depending on your opinion, you'll hear things, and most likely, you'll agree with, with me. That has never happened ever. Um, but anyway, who knows? Who knows what happened? Qualifying on a Friday night—that's weird. And have fun. Oh, yeah. Bye. Enjoy, enjoy. Oh yeah, Adam said. Okay, bye. Okay, okay, right. We're wrapping up. Good. Say bye, Nigel. No. You never say bye. Correct. Why not? Uh, Maybe this is why know. people think you're really standoffish and what you kicked off the podcast. <laughs> it's, just, it's just a trend, isn't it? So I've got to continue it. Why be trendy? Like when, trend why, 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 why be a trend when you can be a classic? A, a classic? Yeah. Class. In a world of trends, why not try and be a classic and say goodbye? Oh, right. I see what you mean. What, uh, what does Chris Froome ride? A bike. He there said we it, go. we can cut it. Ha ha, bye. <laughs>